This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. The, um, this, week, this month, I want to speak about one of the giants of two generations ago, whose yard site is Heishvat, and that's the Sfasemis. First, uh, always try to say where I got my information from. So, Tfasemis is recent enough. I saw the base Israel, who as a young child saw the Tfasemis. In other words, it's within a, a reach of one over. Um, most of, most everyone, just, there isn't that much information about him. And most of what's written is repeated in different places. Um, there was somebody named Bromberg who wrote a big series. He was a Chassidish person and he wrote 20, 30 little volumes on different Chassidish Rebbeim dynasties and that's one mocker. Um, there's something that came out recently, Mimonos Arroyos, where he has about three people's Fasemis and, and one or two others. Um, where he he said he checked over all the stories and so on. Lamai said the, these stories are mostly fit the pattern um, and they paint the picture of the person that we're familiar with in terms of the terrorists and so on. So basically, those are the Macarius. No matter whoever wrote about him, it it just redid a lot of the of the stories in different ways, but added more side stories and so on. But that's those are Macarius. And like I said, it's recent enough history that almost all the facts are checkable. Um, the story starts actually before he was born, and it, I guess we spoke once about the Chedusha Rim. It, it's the end of the Chedush Rim story. The Chedush Rim had 13 sons who died in his lifetime. We spoke about it. Um, and his, the last son, the one that, that got married and had children, he also had daughters that had children, um, was Rabbi Avram Mardchai. Rabbi Mardchai was a very being a man. And when he was about, he had two or three girls, when he was about 30 years old, he became deathly ill. And the Chedusha Rim went to visit him. And the Chedusha Rim told his son, Uvacharta Bechayim is a mitzvah. You should choose Bacharta Bechayim, you should choose and remain alive. And you also need to bring a son into the world. And after the Chedusha Rim walked out, he sort of lifted himself up. And he said, And he said, If I'm Zohar to have a son, I'll name him Yehuda after Pam Oida Hashem. He had a son a year later, and he named him Yehuda Leib. The, um, the Sfas Emes was born in 1847. Two years later, his mother passed away. When he was two years old, his mother passed away. When he was eight years old, his father passed away. We said over the story um, when we spoke to Lucia Rim that the the um, the Rim's wife was inconsolable. She, you know, like before he was nifter, she begged her husband, you know, do some be You know, 
shake the, the, the heavens, it's something, my last son, and he told her, I don't know, if after he was Nifto, before he said, whenever a Yid will have a Tzara, they'll always be able to console themselves and say, no matter how bad it is, it's not as bad as Ichimaya. And we will be a source of Nechama for Kala Yisrael. That was the approach of a very different type of people. al at the age of eight, he became a Yasin from his father as well. And the truth was, even before he was eight years old, he was, his father was too sick to take care of him, really. His father was always bedridden, very, very weak. And basically his grandparents raised him. Chedusha Rim and his wife raised him. Chedusha Rim thought the world of the kid. He was, he, was an, he was an absolute genius from birth. He also had no fun side. He was cold, coolly serious. Chedusha Rim taught himself, but he took a malamed to teach him. And the malam- there were three conditions. First of all, he has to wake him up before Lois Hashacha. Secondly, they have to learn 18 hours a day. And third, there has to be every day some chiddush. He has to come up with some chiddush. You're talking about a boy who was not yet bar mitzvah, or the younger. He, he was probably seven, eight. Um, but he, he was capable of it. Um, and he was extraordinary masmid and brilliant. And he, and he, he raised him. The Chedusha Rim was a, was a Kotzka Chassid. He took the Sfasemis twice to see the Kotzka. At the end of the Kotzka's life, the Kotzka was not um, seeing people. He had gotten sick and tired of Chassidim. We spoke about that once also. He, he, and, but the Chedusha Rim by him was extraordinary. And when he would come to him, he would yell out, Baruch Haba. And he took Sosemis, and once, he was there twice. Once he told the Chedusha Rim to, to go outside to teach him a Shtikl Torah, and then he wanted to ask Sosemis how he says it over. The, um, the, the second time that he went, he was 10 years old, I think, and he went with a cousin of his, Chedusha Rim took him and, his, and a cousin, another grandson of Chedusha Rim, and it was the middle of winter and it was freezing. And the, um, the, the, somebody saw him and, and asked the why are you taking them? It's, it's freezing. And they're shivering and they were huddled under a blanket. It was a long journey. Um, you know, they don't understand anyway what he's going to say. So what's the point of taking them? And the Chedushim said, I want them to see once in their lifetime an emissayit. Just to see that. Um, the Spasemis, when later they asked him, that, to describe the, the, the Kotzka, he said, what do you mean to describe him? He was a Malach Hashem Tzvokis, a Malach amongst people. But that was a, a memory that was seared into him, and that was it. At the age of 12, when he turned 12, the, um, in, in 59, the, um, 1859, the Kotzka was Nifta, and that's when the Chedusha Rim became a Rebbe. Till that time, he was a Rav, um, he, he, he wasn't Noye Grebistva. He Lemaisa, um, went to the Kotzker as a Chassid. As I don't know exactly what his Anhaga was like with the Chassidim, but he wasn't officially a Rebbe, and he was a Kotzker Chassid. 
so he was on, on you know, he, he sort of was a rav, but not, at the age of 60, the Chedushi Arim became a rebbe. Svasemis was about 12 years old, and he went to look for a shidduch for Svasemis. Um, and he, he found a relative of his and married him off when the, when the Svasemis was 13 years old. He got married, and those years, those first years of, of marriage, he was Kol Kuloi Shakur in learning. Kol Kuloi sat there and, and you know, didn't uh, do anything else. And quiet, uh, you know, away from public eye in any way, shape, or form. In 1866, which was basically four years later, the, um, few years later, actually, the, the, um, Chedushim was Nifta, and the, uh, he was a young man at the time, 19, 18, 19 years old, and people wanted to take him as a rabbi, and he was very, very upset, he, he, he refused Bishem wouldn't wouldn't think of it. What they did do was they made him the Rav of Ger, of the, they made him the Rav of, this, of the township, but he adamantly, he, he wrote very sharp letters. People, people figured they would sort of um, jump the gun, and they wrote that he agreed to be a rebbe, and it's not. He said people write that are liars, and they're doing it because they have their own. It was very, very sharp letters. He, he did not want, um, didn't want to be rebbe, and refused. But he needed it as a chassid, he himself needed it as a rebbe. And finally, he decided on... Reb Henech from Alexander. Reb Henech was um, wanted a, a sort of chaver of the Chedush Erim. wasn't the statue of Chedush Erim, but he was a very, very chashver person from that generation. And the Svasemis went to him as a, as a chassid to a rebbe, and he would go to him. He wasn't mekabel all his anhogis, all his psokim, and so on, but the chachna of a chassid to a rebbe was to him, and he went there. What, what was a sort of something that was uh, a Maccabee Patish that, that made him decide that he should be the one to go to. The first Torah that the Alexander told him was a, shtick, was, was a vert that the Chedush Rim had told him at the end of his life. And there's, it's a Chazal that wherever the old Manik stopped, the new Manik starts. So he felt that this is a similar Shemayim, that this is where he should go to. So for four years, he would go occasionally, he would go, he, he, he kept the Maise his Rebbe. Four years later, Rev Henech was Nifta, and once again, the Hasidim really pushed very hard, and he pushed back, pushed back, back and forth, back and forth. Finally, he, he couldn't resist it, they, they just pushed it, the pressure was a lot, and he agreed he said, we'll be mechazek each other. He was 23 years old at the time. He became the Rebbe of possibly the largest group of Hasidim. He was renowned at that time already as a massive Talmud Chacham. And basically across the board, everyone held of him. He was universally acknowledged as a giant of his generation. Hasidim, Litvisha, Salevi actually um, 
who had high regard for their spoken learning, um, m- many, many others. He, he, and there was no, he had no opposition. So at the age of 23, he became Rebbe, and he was Rebbe for 35 years. His, he was the one who forged Gera Hasidus into what it is. The main, the, the main inyanim of Ger were inyanim that he um, instituted, developed. This was his ideologies. His, the Chidush Rim sort of started it. The Chidush Rim took the burning coal of Kotsk and began the process of making it um, much more approachable for people. Christian wasn't Rebbe for that long, and the, the Sfas Emes was the one who really made it into uh, what it is. What are the highlights of that Hasidus? What, 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 what are the main inyanim that the Sfas Emes introduced? The, f- the first one, I guess, is learning. Even when the Chedusha Rim had thousands of people literally coming Brachis, eights, is this, that. He had, most of his day was taken up with Kavudik Astarim. And, and the, the learning Gemara, Halacha, you know, was Yaharag Valyavar. And someone asked him why. He said, How can I give somebody an Eitzah if I don't know Dalit Chalkeshach I could be telling him Sanat Shalakidin. So, um, the, the need to be a Talmud Chachem, even while you're tending to all the other Yanim of the Tzibur, was very strong. Um, he also felt that the strongest Eitzah for Yerushalayim is very, very strong learning of Gemara. He, um, he told the young man, someone that came to ask him an Eitzah for how to fight his Eight Sahara, what Sefer should learn to fight his Eight Sahara? And I guess the person asked the choice between two or three Musas for him. So the, the Chidusha Rim, so the Sfasemis told him, um, in, he, he said, in Chaybas Alavavis, Yet Sahara also looked into and knows the Sefer. He said, Shnaim Oichzin, the Yet Sahara never approached. So the one place where you're safe is Shleimerchim or Sugya of of you know Bametzia. Any 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 Indian a hard Indian Gemara is the place where you're safe from Yitzhara. So it's not that he didn't hold of learning Musa. He you know he, people lived it learning for Yira, but he felt that the main thing that would keep a person out of Yehurim Royim out of Yitzhara would be an extremely strong. Um, Ligging and learning, and that was that he pushed very very strongly. Now that was part of of the of that ethos, a strong opponent of 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 uh, Talmud Torah. Zrizus, he was extremely. His time was incredibly incredibly measured, and it it, it did everything in one two three. Um, the the he's he once came. Some very Indian, some very important Indian kept him up, and then he came to Skavuda Kaseda with his with his um, with his uh, uh, children, and 
he didn't look, he looked like very uh, pale and very upset. And they asked him what happened. And he said, I'm late. Like the idea that, that he messed up his Seda's manum was, was very, very bad for him. He, there's a description, he went with some of his brothers, uh, brother-in-laws. They went to the cave of, of somebody for the yard site. They said by the time they unpacked, sort of, and got out of, to go to the cave, you know, Rebbe Shiden, he, he had already been there, come back, and told the driver to keep moving. So they never actually went to the cave. His, his, his Rizus was an extraordinary midah. Um, his son, actually, the, the Emes, allocated 15 minutes for the main suda of his, you know, the, the main suda of the dinner, and seven minutes for the for the other suda. That was, the, but on the clock. So he was uh, extraordinary. By him, he kept stressing again and again how important time is, and you know, he never he never slacked off. He would be makabel, the chassidim that came by, you know, to talk to him. He'd be standing, he wouldn't be sitting, he'd be standing, leaning against Svarim Shafa. And his tefisa was incredibly quick, and it would take them very, within a few moments, he had the person going, invite the next person, next person, next person. It was extremely, extremely quick. And, and in his hug, it's very brief. Very, very few words, and you know, on, on, on. So, Tamatera was very important, Zeriza was very important. He also was very, very makbid not to take any money from Chasidim from anybody that came to him. So, whereby all rabbis giving money was a big part of the ceremony, and Pidyan was a very important institution, and that's how they supported themselves. His wife ran. A small tobacco store, and some later, sometime later, it was a store that sold lottery tickets. Whatever it was, he refused to take money from anybody. He told the supplier, the tobacco supplier, that that supplied his wife's store, the tobacco store. He told him, "Listen, if you want to make as much profit as you want to make on us." I have no problem with that. But if you dare take a loss on us, in other words, you're trying to, to, to be good to us by charging us less than a cost, I'm telling you, you're putting your children at risk and my children at risk. And, his, and, and once when his a child of his became sick, he asked his wife, had she taken any money from anybody? She said, yes, you know, some of that. He said, you have to give it back because that's what he was extraordinarily mocked he felt that any money that he would take from people would be a, um, it would distort his thinking. He, at the, so being very independent money, he always advised people to run businesses, not to take on Rabbanis. He was very against it. And someone asked him, Rebbe, if, if you tell everybody to go into business and not Rabbanis, who's going to be the Rabbanim? So he told them the people that they ask other rabbis, not me. The, the um, and he, he, but but again, they demanded a lot of learning. There was a tremendous respect for. I mean, Talmud Torah was an Iker Godel, and therefore, people who had businesses were also expected to be learning most of the day. 
um, either their wife is running it, someone else is running it. They always would have a way around it. But tachlis, not it, it was a big mila not to be misfired from the tzibur. It meant also that his hanhagis, um, he, he had a very an, another ikker, and I guess it was something which he um, was uh, a, a, able to do because of how he acted. He had a very egalitarian type vanhaga. He didn't want to sit up front. He sat in the middle of the table somewhere, he, different times at different places. His vanhaga was very, very low-key. And wealthy people did not have any position of prominence in, in, on, in, the, in his tish or anything. Um, and he was able to do that because he didn't take money from people. So Bimela, you know, that, that's how he, he, he didn't need them. And he could judge each person, Kifi, what he is. Kifi, what he is in Stargish, of a person, Taira, and, and so on. So, um, the, the, um, there was the, the element of Zrizus, Taira, this type of, and this was a Kotzke Mahanhaga of not proving any, any um, you know, not, not proving anything. His one of the midas he was very very makbid was midas emes, and he told there was a chassid came to him, and told him that he's being offered uh, a new business, complicated or whatever it is, and he went and he spoke with him and gave him a mahalach how to go about it. He told the rebbe, you know, it's also going to involve. I'm going to be involved with women. I'm going to have to interact with women. Um, what do I do? And the Rebbe gave him Eitzes, how he could interact with women and still, you know, not uh, lose his, his kedusha and so on. Then he said, Rebbe, it also requires some, some stretching of the truth in different places. The Rebbe said, get out of the business. And, you know, by him, Emes was a lot more... Um, it, it was the most important media, and therefore, if the if it, if it, if the business meant you compromise your honesty, then there's no aids. For women, he had aids, and and for honesty, he had no aids. If it was dishonest, there's no aids. It's interesting. His sefer, he wrote the sefer, and the reason why it's called Svasemis is the last entry that he has in the Sefer, he himself wrote a Sefer, was Pashas Vayechi, the last year of his life, and he wrote, um, and, he, and the last Pasuk is Fas Emes Tikkun La'ad, and that's how they named the Sefer. So Midas Emes was an extraordinary Midah that was Chashev to him, and uh, many stories where people wanted to shtick and this and that, and it was no way. The um, he built up a magnificent chesidus. The sfarim that he left were um, incredible in both ways. His sfarim on shas, we have only moed and kachim. You were supposed to have more. Were incredible sfarim. The sfarim that are radically different than the chesidus from before him. The chedusha rim is a big mafalpul. And goes back and forth with incredible goyness. The, 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 you know, but it, it's a lot of back and forth and, 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 and long cheshbon and so on and so forth. 
Sfas Emes is short to the point, very lumdish. Um, it's it's interesting. The Chassidim were afraid to publish it after Spetira because they felt it doesn't do him justice. You know, uh, like what are people going to see? You know, uh, a shot here, a shot there. None of the magnificent pulpul of the Chulishu Rim is there. And I don't remember who it was that advised the children, the Biskorov maybe, or somebody from that world advised the children to publish it. They said that the world must have it. And um, they didn't appreciate it. By Polish, they appreciated Big Pilpulim and Harifasen. And his Torah is very, very lumdish, very straight to the point, very, you know, on, 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 on target, and that's it. His Chesvarim and Chasidus are a classic. In many ways, they exemplify everything. The, um, it's written shorthand, very laconic. And that's why it's not easy in the beginning to learn it. It's 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 small statements with a dot, a small statement with a dot, and you have to figure out yourself the connection. Um, but it hits home straight to the heart of the Indian. It's not vertlach, and you see it. It's not vertlach. You see it. It it goes straight to the heart of something, and and it comes out with a lot of. There's a very powerful message in it. Um, my Rebbe Moshe Shapiro once told, somebody said over at the Hespid that Rebbe Moshe asked this person, what form does he use when he's prepared? This person told him, Svasemes and another Sefer. So Rebbe Moshe asked him, what's the Tzushtel? So this person was taken back and said, you know, like, like, I mean, how did the Rav measure who's bigger, who's, you know, like, this is a bigger person, that's a big person. Rebbe said, no. He said, Svasemes is a Muchetika Sefer. When you learn to a shtickle, you say to yourself, yeah, of course, that hits home. That's exactly pshat. It's not like an idea, a nice idea, and you say oh, you're impressed with the idea. It, it has a feeling of hitting the nail on the head, point after point after point. Um, and it's, it's an incredible safer. It's, it's probably, in many ways, the backbone of, of Hasidus in many ways. Uh, not maybe not Chabad, but 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 certainly in the in the Polish world and 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 further, Svasemis is that safer. Svasemis did not mix much into public inyanim uh, overtly. He worked hard. At the end of the 1800s, the Russian government, Poland, they 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 decided to try. They pushed that everybody has to go to school, a public school, which was a terrible Xera, was basically Xera Shmad. He was very, very involved um, in, in, in stopping it. The way you stop Xeras in those days was today what you do is you raise money and elect officials and officials vote like you want. In those days, it was simply just raise money and gave it to the official. So that, that was, so he, he sold off some of his Hashvah's farm. Uh, he had a, a shas of uh, uh, a very, a very antiquated shas. He sold it to make sure, you know, f- to be vatlik there. And it, it worked for a number of years till, um, I think, it was the early 1900s. And then, it did lead a lot to to Hormen in in Poland. The um, so he was involved in that. He was involved in um, they, it, it, Zionism was beginning to pick up steam, and it became a very, very controversial back and forth with the, the opposition and, and the people <coughs> for it, against it. 
he kept a very low profile and did not talk about it publicly didn't did not really write about it once he wrote and basically the line he tread was um we can't join them because the 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 the, the, the intent is secular but if a person is able to go to Israel, find a livelihood and establish a, a, a Yiddish home, then of course it's ideal. So he, he sort of, so his, some of Hasidim actually did go. His son went a few times to Israel and succeeded in establishing um, Ger over there. But Al Kapanim, his, his, he did not have, he didn't take a public stance on any issue really. The, somebody tried to, to bait him. And he sent him a forged letter from Herzl asking him to please join the movement or to explain to him why not and uh, something like that, a whole long letter. It's the letter, he never never answered it, never charged with it. Um, it, it was proven to be a crude forgery. But, you know, people still spoke about the letter that Dr. Herzl wrote to him. Tachlis, nothing, um, nothing doing. He, he, he didn't, didn't respond to it and the letter is a fake. He, um, for 35 years, he led the, the Ada. It became possibly maybe the second largest group. I think Alexander might have been bigger before the war. Um, but certainly the strongest movement in Hasidus that had a clear agenda, what their Eifin of Avodah Hashem is, how to go about it, um, very the movement he, he he was the one who put into place. His last years were extremely difficult years. Um, the 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 Russian Japanese war broke out, and he was it was they just drafted hundreds and thousands of his chassidim. The army, the Russian army was a horrendous place. The Russian army was a place where, A, even to the Russians, they were extraordinarily cruel. Russians are, are, noted, are noted for their unusual dagger of cruelty. That's their Midotaiva. And Vimela, um, being in the Russian army, I, once, I read an account from a Russian guy who said that during World War I, more officers were killed with bullets in the back from the soldiers than from their enemies. Like, like soldiers more than happy to kill off their officers as, as revenge for what's been going on until then. So, A, two, there was no possibility of kosher food. Three, Jews had it much worse. They were sent off to Manchuria. There were problems with Agunas. Um, nobody would know, you know, they would disappear. It was, it was, it was very primitive and nobody bothered to find, and nobody bothered to identify. It was incredible. And they would come to him all day and all night for brachas, for eitzes. There are a lot of stories about how everything he told somebody would be exactly what it is. Some people would tell, somebody's got to go to the army, and the guy knew that it's not going to help him to try to bribe. Some people he would say, for 25 rubles you get out. For some people say this. But al Kapanim, it took a horrendous toll on his health. He, all the years that the war was going on, he didn't sleep, he slept on the floor, and his clothing would be soaked with tears. He, he lived it, every single one. I once heard a story, I couldn't find it, that 
somebody, I don't remember if this person wanted to read his letters or, or see him, uh, asked him to pay to spoke to him. I don't remember. Somebody wanted to be in on it, and he told him, you will never be able to survive listening to these stories. I'm telling you, you, you need inhuman stamina to, to, to listen to all these stories. Al-Kaponim, he, he um, I don't know if this was the course, but at the age of 58, in 1905, he became sick. It was a weird illness. It was unidentifiable in those days. It was his body sort of closed down. Um, it, it, it went, uh, it, it became paralyzed all inside a worm. And he, um, and, and until he was nifta. The Sokhachava said about him that the reason why he was nifter from an illness that no one knew what it was, he said it says, So HaKadosh Baruch could only send him a, an illness that nobody else had, so he was never Mespal Bat Because any tzara that somebody could conceivably have, he already had been a Mespal Bat That's how Amnesia put it. Akopanim, and it was very rapid, he basically um, became sick. He, um, he uh, till his last minute, he pushed himself extremely hard. Um, even though he had lost the command of a lot of his faculties and so on, he still pushed very hard. Um, in Heishvat, he was nifter. They made the Leviah, son said they made the Leviah instantly. Um, after Leviah, his two sons were walking back and Rabbi Vramart, who took over the abyss from him, the Imamis, who became the Rebbe, told his brother, our father had a Rikos Yomim. So his brother looked at him, he said, our father was nifted at 58. What do you mean he had Rikos Yomim? So he told him, I didn't say Rikos Shonim, I said Rikos Yomim. Every day of his was extremely long and was, was used to the utmost. So he had 58 years, but each year, those, the, the, what he put into a day was, was limitless. Um, so he, he passed away at 58. He left over the Sfarim on um, Shas. We only have Kachim and uh, Moyed. There, there, there were more Kisviyadas around. They, they got destroyed and so on. Um, he, he, this, this Fas Emes that we have, he wrote himself. But it says in some places, I don't remember the end. I, 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 you know, this is not this, this, that. And the reason was he allocated to himself the amount of time each week that he'd write up what he said on Shabbos. And he stuck to it. And if anything, um, and, if he, and if the time ran out, he waited till next year to write down next year's plus the year before. And if it was busy there, it was two years. So some of them had piled up after a while. And he didn't remember exactly how he finished off or whatever it is. That's what it means. The earlier Torah, before he was a Rebbe, he didn't put out, didn't want to put out. Um, but a lot of people had written them down. They were circulating, flown around all over. And they... The children put it out under the name Likutis Fasemis. Likutis Fasemis are the Torah between the age of 19 and 23 when it was not Rebbe yet. It's incredible to think at 23 this person became 
the um, the leader of the the Hasidic world. He was uncontested. Nobody had tightness to him. Nobody had uh, issues with him. Um, he kept a very low profile, very nivistic. Um and he left two sfarim that are um, uh, they, they they remain um, extraordinarily important in each in each tchum. The um, the the metzias of how much a person was able to pack in um, in a lifetime when when it was so it was because it was so well regulated he was on top of every minute of his time he also had extraordinary abilities I mean by the age of 18 to be able to 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 have the amount of information everything is incredible he suffered a lot of sorrows in his life. His first wife was Nifta, and he remarried a second time. Children were Nifta. Um, was very, he, he, he was lived in poverty because he didn't take money, and sometimes the Kufus were very, very difficult. But Tachlis, um, he remains the towering figure, a towering figure, the towering figure of Atkufa and Chesidus, and Doris Leda. Heishvat, by Gerich Chesidim, is a big day. They all eat a Suda, and so on and so forth. Al Kapanim, that's the that's the Spasemis and the Yard site is Ishvata Valentine.